The uh, title for this morning's message that God has laid on my heart is Finding God in the Midst of Trials. You know, God's people are no strangers to going through trials and difficult circumstances. That's why I do truly want to encourage you to spend time in God's Word. It will never be time in vain, because as you read the stories of faith and the stories of the people of God, you will see them travel through uh, great trials of affliction. You will see them go through the trials of being in slavery in Egypt and captivity. Uh, But then you'll be reminded that God remembers his people in captivity, that he is a God of deliverance and he sets his people free. Uh, Shortly after that, you may find them in the wilderness where they're without food and water and they're murmuring and crumbling and complaining and uh, just wondering, well, where is God now after he's delivered us? Why are we going through these difficult times? Well, we learn that God had not forgotten his people, that he was simply doing a deep work in their heart. You see, he delivered them out of Egypt But they still had Egypt in their hearts. They were still serving foreign gods, and they needed to to learn about who God truly was. Uh, We see that God remembers them even after the wilderness experience, that he delivered them and brought Joshua uh, to the forefront, and he led them into the promised land. And uh, God keeps his promises. Just last night as I was preparing, I was reminded about Joshua that towards the end of his life, he wanted to remember, uh, remind the people of God that he said not one promise, not one good word of all of God's promises has failed. And I just pray that you would, that that would be the testimony of your life, that in spite of uh, the difficult times that I do believe we are approaching and that we are in the midst of right now, that when it comes time to, at the end of our, each of our lives, that we would have that testimony of faith to say, you know what, Uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And uh, not one good word of his promise has failed me. I was reminded about the parable of the four soils as well as I was preparing. In Mark chapter 4, I will give you some time perhaps to turn there. One of the nice things about this uh, venue is perhaps you can push pause as you turn to the scriptures and then push play. But in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus went on to explain the parable of the sower and the seed, the farmer who plants seed, into the ground of people's hearts. And he explained that parable in verse 13. And he said to his disciples, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word, the word of God. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear the word, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These are the ones that were sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive God's word with gladness and joy. And they have no root in themselves, though, and so they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. That verse there in verse 17 is what came to my heart about those who have God's word sown, and perhaps their heart is stony, it's hard. Perhaps they've gone through a lot of difficult experiences in life. They've become embittered. Uh, Perhaps they have uh, just a lot of resentment and different things. The Bible says that sin uh, causes our hearts to grow hard towards God. And so while they may have responded to God's word and message of salvation with great joy, and yet when they don't see the fulfillment of what God has promised, It says, sadly, that when tribulation or persecution arises, they have no root, and so they only endure for a while. And then the old King James says they are offended, or they they stumble. They don't understand, well, where is God? What is he doing? I want to remind you that God's promises 
come in seed form. Some of you like to have a garden or perhaps you're raised on a farm. And I just want to remind you to not mistake the seed for the harvest. You see, God's promises are precious promises, but they come in a seed form that has to be planted in your heart and my heart. And we need to allow God time to allow that seed to grow and develop in our heart. And so if we are going through difficult times, I have no idea what this week will bring, but I certainly know that God holds our future. He is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so although I don't know and we don't know what tomorrow may bring, we know who holds tomorrow. Uh, One of our dear church members, Millie Shoemate, has something that I've heard her say often. She says, you know, we may tremble on the rock, but the rock does not tremble underneath us. And so I want to encourage you to keep your faith in Jesus. And also, uh, hold on to God's word as a precious seed and don't allow discouragement, don't allow the fear or the panic or when you don't see the fulfillment of what God has seemingly promised, don't allow that to discourage you when you don't see the full harvest, but instead hold on to that seed and allow God time to develop his seed in your heart and to bring that seed to a full harvest. As I said at the beginning, uh, my message is about how do we find God in the midst of trials? Well, the way we find God in the midst of trials, number one, I have four areas I want to focus on, is God has a purpose in allowing trials into our life. You see, number one, trials are designed first and foremost to humble us and to bring us closer to God. You say, humble me? Oh, why do I need to be humbled? Well, let me just say, any time that we live in self-sufficiency, any time that we are neglecting our walk with God, any time that we are placing our faith and trust in the things of this world, be it money, uh, the medical system, uh, friends or promises or employment, any time that our faith or trust is misplaced, uh, God, we're putting our faith in the wrong place. And so God wants to humble us, not to humiliate us. No, he wants to humble us in order to pour out his grace upon our life. You see, the Bible says in James 4, 6, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. As our president has called our nation to prayer, I would like to remind you of a very well-known passage of scripture to many who have been in church for many years. Uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible says, If my people, if God's people who are called by his name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and he will heal their land. You see, friends, church family, all those who are listening by Facebook, even the people of God need to humble themselves and pray. We often, sadly, we forget God. We do not remember all that he has done. We run ahead of him. We make plans for our life and We have our ideas of what we want to do. And God in his love is continually reaching out to us, poking us and prodding us, saying we need to get back on that straight and narrow pathway. But sometimes, sadly, like toddlers, we just, or teenagers, we just don't listen to the Lord. And so God laid out that promise that if his people called by his name would humble themselves and pray and seek his face, to spend time seeking the face of God, And that also that we would turn from our wicked ways. You say, well, I'm not wicked. I mean, no, the the people in jail or prison or the terrorists out there, those are the wicked people. 
Well, I want to let you know that no, wickedness, yes, they are, that is wickedness, but wickedness is not simply those who are doing the most outrageous, heinous sins of this world. Uh, Any time that, again, that we neglect God, ignore him, and choose to go our own way, uh, is wickedness in God's eyes. And God is calling us in love to turn to him with our own heart, with our whole heart. His answer, his promise is that he would hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. I had not read the verses previous to verse 14 for a number of years, and this, this uh, week the Lord directed me. He said, son, uh, read the verses previous to Second Chronicles 7:14. the promise that if God's people called by his name would humble themselves and pray and seek his face. Uh, what is the context of that passage? Well, just in verse 12, Solomon had finished dedicating the temple of the Lord, and God responded to Solomon in verse 12. It says that he appeared to Solomon by night, and he said to Solomon, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And then verse 13 caught me off guard, but I believe it has application for today. God said to Solomon, and I believe he says his word is timeless. He never changes. He said, when I shut up the heavens and there is no rain, or if God commands the locust to devour the land, or if God sends the pestilence among his people, he then laid out the promise that in verse 14, if his people called by his name would humble themselves and pray and seek his face, turn from their wicked ways, that God would hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Friends, church family. Uh, This is a time for the people of God to pray, to humble themselves, to say, Lord, are there areas in my life that I am ignoring you, neglecting you? Are there areas in my life where I am not placing my trust in you the way I ought to be? Lord, have I strayed afar from you? Uh, The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have each turned to our own ways, our own wicked ways, And yet the Lord laid upon Jesus the iniquity, the sin of us all. You see, God does not delight in troublesome times. He does not delight in what is happening in this nation and around the world. But I do believe that God is trying to get the attention of people across this world because he loves them. You see, when we do not go through troublesome times, we often go through life carefree. Again, as I already said, we make our plans and Uh, We have our life laid out, perhaps, and we like our routines and our habits, and we don't like things to be upset. We don't like things to change. We like things to kind of stay the same, and we like our comfort zones. But yet God in love will seek to get our attention, again, not to drive us far from us, not because he is trying to punish and anger or afflict people. No, I don't understand all the theological things about, well, is God the one behind all what's happening right now? All I do know is that God is sovereign, and ultimately, he rules in the heavens and in the earth. The book of Daniel is quite clear. And he said in Chronicles that if he sends these types of things, that his purpose, again, is not to drive his people into fear and to panic. His purpose, it's like a loud shout from heaven, saying, would my people please come back to me? You see, the purpose of trials is to humble us and to draw us closer to God. I was reminded about in Deuteronomy chapter 8 when Moses was recounting the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. He said in verse 2 of Deuteronomy chapter 8, he said, you shall remember 
that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Some time ago in our church, I don't remember how long ago, that I was mentioning how that verse struck me, that how the Lord their God led them for 40 years in the wilderness. Often I want to think about Psalms 23, the Lord leading me beside green pastures, leading me to to the still waters, and and yes, he does do that. Uh, Please take time to open your eyes and ask God to open your eyes to see how merciful and good he is, that he leads us and he guides us. He is so very good. Uh, The blessings that he brings upon our lives is, is so much that we cannot even count them. And the difficult days that we go through are, if we are honest, we'll say that, you know what, the good days truly do outweigh the bad days or the tough days. But here in verse 2, it says that God led them all that way through the wilderness for those 40 years. And why did he do that? To humble them and to test his people to know what was in their heart, whether they would keep his commandments or not. And so God humbled them and allowed them to hunger And he fed them with manna, which they did not know, nor did their fathers know, in order that he might make them to know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Church, family, and friends, God's word is so very precious. They are exceedingly great and precious promises. And in this world where there is so much instability in this time in some people, I want to encourage you to hold on to God's word that when he allows us to hunger, when he allows us to go through these difficult times, again, it's to humble us, not humiliate and to drive us into the ground, is to humble us and to get our attention in the right place that we don't live by bread alone. We don't live for the things that we can see, the things that that feed and appease this flesh, but instead Our spiritual life and sustenance comes from the very living word of God. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus said that he is the living bread and those who come to him would never hunger. And so I want you to, to feast on God's word. Feed on his word during these times and allow his word to feed you. That if you go through times of distress or trouble or lack and you don't see the fulfillment of his promises... Uh, allow God to do a good work in your heart that, number one, he is allowing his people to be humbled, again, not to drive us away, but in order to bring us to God. I believe it's in the book of James that says to draw near to God, and he will draw near unto us. Uh, He loves his people, and he loves us too much to allow us to remain the same way that we are. He simply wants us to draw closer to him. The second thing that God does through trials is trials refine our faith by revealing uh, what is lacking, uh, what is perhaps missing inside of our hearts. And so I'm reminded in, in the book of First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, uh, Peter is writing to the, to the believers who were scattered abroad during a time of persecution. And he told them in verse 6, he says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Well, why do we go through those various trials? So that the genuineness of our faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, from God's perspective, friends, your faith 
is much more valuable than gold that perishes. You see, God owns everything. There is nothing that you can give to God that he does not, only, that he does not already own. But there is one gift that you can give to the Lord that is so precious and valuable to him. And what is that? It is your trust and faith in him. Not simply a trust and faith in him. As I have said for many years, that is a faith that is strong when I get everything that I want and when God is doing what I please. That's not biblical faith. No, God is so very pleased that when we are going through a fiery trial that is much more precious than gold, or that a fiery trial uh, that tests our faith, that God looks at our faith, that when we are going through difficult times and we say, Lord, I can't see you, I can't hear you. Lord, sometimes it seems like the way is so very dark. Uh, Lord, I don't see and understand exactly what you're doing, but Lord, I choose to believe in you. I hold on to your promises. You see, God looks at that faith and it is precious to him. You see, the angels worship God and they can see him and his glory and all of his power, his splendor and his majesty. And let me tell you that this season of time, that this life that we have, it's just a short moment. It's a fleeting moment, but it's our only opportunity for all of eternity to say, God, I know that someday I shall see you face to face. I know that someday I will hear the audible voice of God continually. I know that someday that my eyes will finally see all that I have read about, all that I have dreamt about, all that you have shown me. But Lord, this season of time and this time of life, this gift that you have given to me, Lord, I want to offer you a gift of love and appreciation and gratitude to say, Lord, uh, I can't offer you money. Yes, you receive offerings and tithes, but Lord, you already own it all. Uh, Lord, I want to offer you faith, tested in the fire, tested in the furnace of affliction, that Lord, even when I do not see what I hope to see, that even when the harvest has not yet come, Lord, I believe in you. Does that not bring encouragement in a marriage, in a family, in a home, in a relationship? When somebody believes in you, they trust in you. Perhaps you went through a time or a season when everybody was talking about you. I don't know. Uh, but somebody came alongside and said, you know what? I believe in you. I believe that your intentions are right. I believe that God has good things for you. That's so encouraging. Well, how much more for the Lord when we as his children say, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. I love you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul the Apostle, who was no stranger to suffering or persecution, he says this, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Let me encourage you, church, do not lose heart. Be encouraged. Jesus said in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, Paul went on to say, Even though our outward man, this physical body, is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Each day that we wake up and look in the mirror, uh, unless we're denying reality, there's no denying that each of us are getting older. Uh, we're getting heavier, uh, losing hair, more wrinkles, gravity is taking over. Uh, perhaps when you were maybe muscular in your 20s and gravity has now moved it down to your waistline. Uh, this outward man is perishing 
But you know what the Bible says? He wants that God can allow that inward man, your heart, your spirit, to be strengthened day by day. Well, how is that inner man strengthened? Uh, He goes on to say this by having the right perspective and focus in life. He says in verse 17, For our light afflictions, which are but for a moment. What were the light afflictions that the Apostle Paul went through? Well, he was shipwrecked. He spent a day and the night out in the ocean. He was persecuted and harassed from city to city. Uh, He was often going through times of hunger or famine, lack, distress. Sometimes he had nowhere to lay his head. Uh, He was just going through great distress that if you and I were going through it, uh, oftentimes our world would fall apart. But Paul called it light affliction. He said this, that keep the perspective that the light afflictions that we go through, they are just for a moment in comparison to eternity. And those light afflictions are working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that we cannot see are eternal. How can you allow the light afflictions that we go through? And, you know, forgive me if you feel like, well, hey, what I'm going through is not a light affliction. And and I'm not minimizing the trials that we go through. We have uh, friends in this church who are uh, battling and, and overcoming cancer. We have friends who have lost loved ones and gone through great distress. I don't minimize what we go through and even what some are going through right now. But from an eternal perspective, we have to step back from time to time to say, Lord, would you remind me that this life is truly but a vapor, but yet it has eternal significance? Would you remind me, Lord, that this life is truly very short in comparison to eternity? And when I step back from the trials and the troubles and say, Lord, these things, they last but a moment. And Lord, if I will choose to ask you for the grace to say, Lord, I don't want to look at the things that I can see. I want to look at the things that are unseen. I want to encourage you to, yes, go ahead and watch the news from time to time and be mindful of what's happening. Christians should never put their head in the sand and ignore what's happening. We should know what's happening around us. But you have to step back from time to time and to say, Lord, I don't want to focus and keep all of my attention on what I can see, but instead I want to keep my attention on what I cannot see, on the living word of God, his promises. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians, I believe it says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him, But God does reveal them to us by his spirit and through his word. And so take time instead to not focus simply on all of that is happening here, but to say, Lord, you have an eternal plan. You have good plans for your people. You are not about to abandon and forsaken us. No, you are working something inside of us. As I said at the beginning, number one, you are humbling your people not to drive us away, but in order to bring us back to you, closer to you, that we would seek the face of God, and not that we would not find you, but that you would forgive our sins, heal this land, and draw us closer to you. Number two, Lord, you are allowing us to go through these difficult times in order to reveal uh, the genuineness of our faith. You're, you're wanting to refine our faith in the fires and to to remove all the the dross, all of the things that contaminate our faith, 
all of the misplaced trust that we have. The third thing that trials do, and how do we find God in the midst of trials, is trials serve to glorify God as other people's as other people carefully observe our response and attitude in the midst of trials. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to read that again. You see, trials can serve to glorify God as other people uh, be mindful that they are carefully observing your and my response and attitudes in the midst of difficult times. You see, look at the heroes of faith and what they went through. Uh, I think about stories like Ruth and Naomi, who lost their husbands, and Ruth, who was a Moabite, she was a foreigner, and she left her home country, she left everything that was familiar, everything that she knew growing up, she left her comfort zone in order to travel back with Naomi because she had simply heard the promise that God had visited his people and given them bread. And so she went back with her her mother-in-law, Naomi, in great love, she served her, she took care of her. And perhaps when she went to Bethlehem, she was a foreigner. She was an outcast. You see, the Moabites and the children of Israel, they were not friendly one with another. So I imagine that Ruth, she endured scorn, perhaps. Perhaps she was the talk of the town. Perhaps people ignored her, uh, didn't want to be around her because she was an outsider. But you know what? She served her mother-in-law. And when Boaz came into her life, he said this about her, that it has been fully shown to me the love that you have for your mother-in-law and all that you have done and how you left your country, your hometown people, in order to serve her. And the Lord is going to fully repay you for all of your work and your labor. You see, when you go through great trials and afflictions, uh, there are so many I would like to read in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Remember that other people are watching your response and attitude and the way that we respond and the attitude that we have in the midst of difficulty can bring great glory to God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, Hebrews eleven thirty-two, 32, uh, they are recounting the heroes of faith and it says this, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith they subdued kingdoms, they worked righteousness, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions. I'm going to pause there. The next one says, they quenched the violence of fire. Do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When Nebuchadnezzar had set up a statue and there was an order that went into the whole country that when you hear the sound of the music, everybody has to bow down to my statue. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they they refused to bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage, he had a fiery furnace that was created uh, just super hot. I don't remember if it was seven or ten times hotter than they'd ever had it before. And when that music started playing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow, and they stood through a fiery test. Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage, said, You know what? Who is this God who will deliver you? If you don't bow down to me, And to my statue, I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. And here was the testimony of their faith. They said, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar? Our God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, we will not bow down to you. Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage, he threw them into that fiery furnace. And it says there that there they were, in the midst of the furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar, in utter surprise, he's like, hey, 
didn't we throw three people into that fiery furnace and yet I see four in that fiery furnace and the fourth is like the Son of God. He ordered them to come out and when they came out of that fiery furnace it says in the Bible that they did not even smell of smoke. Their hair was not singed or burned and Nebuchadnezzar, his testimony to them was truly your God is the God of heaven. And so faith and the way that we go through trials, we can bring great glory to God by our response and our attitude to continue to have courage and faith to say, Lord, I would love to see you do a wonderful work in my life wherever you are. It says that others that they escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong. Others became valiant in the battle and they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead back to life again. You see, God often brings great deliverance, but the Bible goes on to say there in verse 35 that others were tortured. They did not accept deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Whoa, whoa, wait wait a second. What is that all about? You see, the people of God do not simply serve him because he gives us our own way. Uh, For many years uh, at Neighborhood Church here, I've brought up from time to time that I've had a great concern uh, for Christians and Americans. I will include myself in this. I don't leave myself out of this, but I've had a concern that we have often focused simply on the promises and the blessings and all that God wants to do with us. And, And that's wonderful because God does bless. He does heal. He does save and deliver, provide and protect But I have often been concerned over the last number of years that our faith can perhaps be a a faith of comfort and and fair weather that so long as God is doing what I expect him to do, then my faith will be strong. And I've been concerned because when I read through scripture and throughout church history, I realize that, you know, there are seasons when things go very well, but there are also seasons of great difficulty. And so Hebrews 11.35 shares the testimony of faith of how God's people brought glory to him, not because they obtained what they wanted. No, their attitude and response of faith, in spite of not getting what perhaps they hoped to, it brought great glory to God. Let's continue to read in verse 36. It says, some of the people, others, uh, God's people had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. Others were stoned. Some were sawn in two. They were tempted, destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And here is God's testimony of their faith. It says, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, All of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, yet they did not receive the promise because God had provided something better for us that they should not be perfect without us, apart from us. Let's read verse 39 again. It says, All these had obtained a good testimony through faith, yet they did not receive the promise. You see, that carries on the the theme of my message this morning that we need to find God in the midst of the trials, that his promises are yes and amen. All of God's promises are true. Not one will fail, but God's promises come in a seed form. It's not the, the this, is, this is like comparable to seed. It's not the full harvest. 
You see, we have to hold on to what God has and what he is doing in our lives in spite of what happens and rejoice when things do go well. Rejoice in provision and healing, protection, abundance, because God is absolutely faithful. But when there does come times, at times, and I don't know when those times come, there does come times when we simply do not get what we are hoping to receive just like these, it says in verse 38 of Hebrews 11, of whom the world was not worthy. Why? Because the heroes of faith did not simply serve God because God gave them everything that they wanted. No, they weren't spoiled children. No, they had set their eyes on a far better country, a heavenly country. Their eyes and their hopes were not in the things of this world. Instead, they were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. They were looking for the fulfillment of God's promises, realizing that, you know what? We are strangers and pilgrims, just travelers in this short journey of life. And if this is all that there is, what we can see, what is tangible, what I can hear and feel with my hands, if my hope is only in the things of this world, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that if, if in this life, my hope is only in Christ and only in the things of this life. We are of all people most miserable. But no, our, our hope is not only in this life. It is in Christ Jesus because he has risen from the dead. And because he has risen from the dead, there is coming a glorious day when there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth where dwells righteousness. There will be no disease, no sickness, no pain, no sin, Uh, nothing to cause havoc anymore, but God's kingdom will rule over all. I want to ask you, what is the testimony of your faith? How are you responding in these difficult times? Could I remind you that you can bring great glory to God, not only when God does come through, and he does when he's providing and answering your prayers, but even if you seemingly feel forgotten, Even if you're going through great trials and you're just wondering, God, where are you? Your response and your attitude through the midst of the trial can bring great glory to God. I'm reminded of Paul's attitude and his response in trials in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, Paul says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure... By the abundance of the revelations, you see, God had given Paul incredible revelations. It says that he was caught up to the third heavens, uh, the third heaven, and he saw things that it was not lawful for him to write about. That's pretty amazing. You see, Paul saw the plans that God has far in the eternity future, I believe. But God says, no, Paul, you're not allowed to write about that. And so Paul said, in view of what God had shown him, revealed to him, He said that a thorn in the flesh was given to Paul, a messenger of Satan, to buffet him, to harass him, lest he should be exalted above measure. Concerning that thing, Paul pleaded with the Lord three times, saying, Lord, please take this away from me. But God responded in verse 9. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That word weakness in the Bible, it is a state of incapacity to do something. Uh, Weakness, it's a limitation. 
And so God's word to Paul when he had that thorn in the flesh, we don't know exactly what that was. Some try to say it was an illness, a sickness. Others say no. I don't want to fight about what that meant or even try to determine what it meant. Others would say that it was the persecutions and the harassments that he went through. Regardless of what that thorn in the flesh was, God's response to Paul was, No, Paul, I don't want to take that thing away from you because, no, I want to show you that my grace is sufficient for you, for my, gra- my strength is made perfect in your weakness, in your limitations. There, what was Paul's response after that? Paul says, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast or rejoice in my infirmities so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What's that all about? I, I love to rejoice in the good things that God does when things are going as, as I hope for them to go. But Paul the Apostle, he had a complete different kind of faith than we often see in this world. He said, no, in view of the fact that God's grace is sufficient for me and that his power is perfected in my weakness and my limitations, Paul the Apostle said, no, I am going to boast and rejoice uh, in my infirmities. Why? Then the power of Christ will rest upon me. Verse uh, 10, he closes it out. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. As I have been saying, my friends, our church family, all those who are watching, God allows his people to go through trials. It's all throughout church history, all throughout scripture. How do we find him in the midst of trials? Well, we realize, as I said, number one, that God allows these trials in our heart to draw us closer to him, to humble us, even as he was humbling the apostle Paul. I can hardly think of anybody besides John the Beloved, the disciple who leaned on Jesus' breast, the one who was closest to him, besides the apostle Paul, who was closer to Jesus in his walk with God. And yet in order for God to protect Paul from walking in pride and arrogance, God allowed that thorn in the flesh, that messenger of Satan to buffet him and to harass him. And just like you and I, Paul prayed, oh God, please take this thing away from me. But God in his love said, no, I love you too much because I want you to understand that my strength, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect, not when your weakness is gone. No, it is made perfect in your weakness. When we come to that place of faith and trust and rest, that God is with you, he is for you, he is not against you, that even in the midst of all of your weaknesses and all of the the frailty of this human life, to realize, Lord, your grace is sufficient, and you want to demonstrate your power in my life, not by giving me my own way or for making me strong all the time and just a a superhero Christian. No, that, Lord, even in the midst of trials, to realize, Lord, you're humbling me. You're wanting to draw me closer to you. You're not trying to drive me away from you. Secondly, thankfully, You are refining my faith. Uh, You're getting all the dross, all the impurities. You're trying to, to remove them from my life. And Lord, you're also wanting to bring glory to you that as I allow you 
to develop a good attitude, a good response, that when I'm in the midst of trouble and trial, that like the Apostle Paul, I could say, you know what? I take pleasure, not in bad things happening. That's not what I'm trying to communicate, church family. No, but I take pleasure that God is always working something in my life, that these temporary light afflictions can work inside of you and I a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What does Paul mean by that, that exceeding and eternal weight of glory? Is that your faith is much more precious than gold that perishes. And so that, that, that faith is so valuable to God that I can look at the trials that I'm going through and say, thank you, Lord, that you are showing me the incredible value of faith, that I don't live by bread alone. I don't live by simply what my eyes can see. I don't find satisfaction and nourishment and encouragement in life simply by all the good things that happen. But Lord, even when I hunger, even when I go through times of lack, Lord, I am learning that I do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The fourth thing in closing, uh, finding God in the midst of trials, is trials serve to ultimately perfect and fully develop and mature our faith. Uh, James said in chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. I pray for each and every one of us that we would learn to count it all joy when we fall into various trials. That when you are at Walmart or anywhere in this world, uh, allow people to see joy in your heart, peace in your heart. Not joy again at, at what is happening, but know that you have something of spiritual substance and value in your life that is an anchor of your soul, that when you're in that various trial of faith, that that testing of your faith is producing patience, and that patience, if we allow it to fully develop, will cause us to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I'd like to finish off with two last passages of Scripture. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, Paul the Apostle said, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Why? Because we know that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I want to remind you, church family, and all those who watch, that God will never disappoint us. We may go through difficult times that we don't understand what is happening and understand the plans of what he is trying to accomplish. But in Romans 15, 13, he says, it says that he is called the God of all hope. And his intention is to fill us with all joy in, and peace as we believe so that we would abound in hope by the power of of God's Holy Spirit. Even in the year 2020, even in the midst of a country and a world that is seemingly in turmoil, just turned upside down, may you not forget the hope of Jesus Christ, that we serve a God of hope. And as you believe in him and his promises, 
He will fill you with all joy and hope by the power of God's Holy Spirit. In closing, I want to let you know that we are truly living in unprecedented times of opportunity. Again, I'm not thankful for what is happening necessarily as far as uh, for those who are going through great trouble, but I believe that this is a time of unprecedented opportunity for the people of God. I was reminded yesterday as I was praying of the church in the book of Acts that after God had poured out his Holy Spirit, they were preaching the word of God in Jerusalem and God's church was growing, but they were forgetting the great commission that God had told them to go and to preach this gospel to every creature and uh, to preach it in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. But the church was comfortable. Perhaps they were remaining in Jerusalem. And it says in the book of Acts that great persecution came to the church at that time. And as a result of the persecution, the trouble to the church, it says that they were scattered abroad and they went everywhere preaching the word of God. You see, even in the book of Acts chapter 8, I saw a small parallel between what happened then and what happened now. I'm sure in Acts 8 that they were very much in distress with the persecution that was happening. They were very comfortable to be living where they were living. They enjoyed church as it was, just as we do. But God's intention was not to have business as usual, not to, he's not simply concerned with our comfort and ease and and to have a trouble, carefree life. No, God has a much greater concern that we would be willing to look for opportunities in the midst of troubling times to say, Lord, at this time, churches across this country, even this world, many have chosen to go online for this season of time. I believe that God has a much greater purpose, perhaps, for this season. I pray that it's a short season. But if you're in your homes, your communities, and you're not able to gather together as you would like in your church building, would you allow the Lord that if you have been scattered abroad, would you allow him to use you in your home, your neighborhood, wherever the Lord finds you, to speak his word, to be looking for those who are lost? Uh, There is such a despondency in the eyes of so many. There is a lostness, a spiritual lostness, Uh, a lostness in every way, of people just not knowing where to turn. And if you know Jesus Christ and he is your Lord and Savior, don't get caught up in the pandemonium. Don't get caught up in the chaos of it. Don't go hide in your house either and hunker down and ignore everything. But instead say, Lord, uh, your church is scattered right now. Instead of being comfortable in a nice building that's warm and and filled with the people of God, which, again, I do pray we can do very soon sometime, look for the greater purpose to say, Lord, what are you up to? Uh, Do you have new opportunities for me? Is there going to be people that you're going to bring across my pathway that perhaps I never would have met before? Church, look for those opportunities. Don't live in fear despondency. Uh, don't live in, in being discouraged. Oh, oh well, why, why can't we meet together? Uh, it is sad, I understand. We will meet again, church. But instead, all this week and for some time to come, however long this goes, to say, Lord, you have placed your precious word in my heart. And so many people, the only hope they have is in the things that they can see But Lord, I have the exceedingly great and precious promises of God's salvation. 
his healing, his protection, but even more so the promise of God that he is going to have a new heaven and a new earth and that for the people of God that they shall dwell with him, he will be their God and he and we shall be his people. A day that we will live with him for all eternity. Church, we have the gift, the message of eternal life that God has not only given us the promise of a life more abundant uh, in the here and the now, but we have the promise of eternal life. And so as we are scattered and going through a a very unusual time, would you allow God to, to humble you if that is necessary? Not to drive you away from the Lord, but to draw you closer to God. Would you allow it to to reprioritize your life, to say, Lord, if I have been wasting time, uh, emotional time, mental time, perhaps just stewing over all the past and all the disappointments or maybe chasing after dreams that I thought were so important, would you allow God to humble you by reprioritizing your life and the way that you spend your time? Spend time in God's word. Seek him. Again, as our president has called this nation to pray, God's desire is not to drive us away from him. No, he said that if his people who were called by his name would humble themselves and pray and seek his face, turn there from their wicked ways, that God would then hear from heaven and heal our land. God is doing a good work in your heart, my friend. He is not, these days have not caught him off guard. No, the, the message of salvation, his word that is planted in your heart, it is in seed form right now. Give it time to grow. Give it time to grow into a full harvest. And just know that he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. I would like to close this message out by us having a time of prayer, not only one for another, but also for our nation, again, as I said, for our first responders, for those who work in the medical field, for those who are in government. The Bible commands us to pray for those who are in leadership, and it's our duty and privilege to pray for them. And let's pray in faith that God would do an amazing work, not only in our church here, but all across this world, that the people of God would draw close to God and watch him do a wonderful work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the living word of God. We thank you that you give us a message that can bring stability into our lives, that, Lord, when there is so much instability, that, Lord, we are reminded that although heaven and earth may pass away, your word never passes away. Lord, for those who call Central Park Neighborhood Church home, I pray for each and every family every individual for the widow, the widower, to, the, uh, to those who live alone, to every family. Lord, I pray for your blessing of peace. I pray, Lord, as it says in Psalms 91, that you would encamp around about them, that your angel would surround them and deliver them from all fear. Lord, I pray that your spirit would draw each and every one of us, that, Lord, in our times of devotion and prayer, that as we open up the word of God as families and individuals uh, this afternoon, tonight, or tomorrow throughout this week, Lord, may we find that your word, your promises provide nourishment, that they provide satisfaction, encouragement, that we don't live by simply what we can see, but Lord, may your word satisfy your people. Lord, we pray for our nation right now. 
And Lord, as the people of God, we humble ourselves and acknowledge that, Lord, yes, we like sheep. All too often, Lord, we have gone astray, chasing after things, living for things that simply do not matter. Lord, would you forgive us for the times that we have gone astray? Would you forgive us, Lord, for our wicked ways? Lord, if we have lived in anger, malice, bitterness, jealousy, rage, lust, greed, Lord, the list could go on and on. If we have lived in pride or arrogance, uh, criticism, and, and just biting and devouring one another, God, would you forgive us of our sin? I thank you for the promise in your word that you said that if, if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we as the people of God, as this small body, we humble ourselves and we pray, we seek your face. And Lord, we thank you for your promise that you said that you would forgive and that you will heal our land. Father, right now we take time to pray for the first responders, for those who are on the front lines of this uh, sickness that is trying to go around. We ask God for protection. We ask God that for provision, that you would enable supplies to come their way, that they would not be without the supplies that they need. Father, we pray for those who work in the medical field, in the hospitals, from the nurses to the doctors, that you would give them wisdom. Uh, for those who research things, we ask God that you would deposit your mind, your knowledge, your wisdom in their hearts. Father, we ask as well for our leadership, for uh, everyone from the president uh, down to the local city mayors, to the judges, to, to uh, governors, to those who serve in the Senate and Congress. Father, we ask that you would surround them with godly counsel. Father, we ask that you would cause them to begin to seek your face. Lord, where there is so much division and strife and hostility, we pray, God, for a great awakening in this nation that it would one day, once again, be truly one nation under God, united, indivisible, that, Lord, that you would bring this country together, not in pride, but, Lord, in humility to seek the face of God, in faith knowing that, Lord, your desire is never to bring disaster or trouble, but, Lord, your desire is to simply bring us back to yourself. Lord, as we go throughout this week, I pray that you would strengthen our faith in you, our trust in you, Lord, help us to respond uh, to the trials and help our attitudes to bring glory to you this week. Help us, Lord, to be on the lookout this week for those who are so lost, that whether it's the elderly, those who are just confused, that those who, who do not have and are lacking, help us to share and to truly be salt and light wherever we go. Lord, as we are scattered abroad at this time, use us, Lord, to allow us, uh, allow us, may we allow you to use us, Lord, uh, just to shine your light wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you, church family. Thank you so much for those of you who have taken time, uh, the time to watch. Uh, I do love each and every one of you. And uh, let's stay in touch one with another. I want to encourage you to stay in contact with each other uh, in any way possible. Uh, to truly take time to care for each other, to share with one another, uh, to pray one for another, uh, to be mindful of those around you. Be a good neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is a time to let your light shine and to know that God 
is up to something amazing. God bless you. I love you. And we will see you hopefully on Wednesday night. Take care.